This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. Over the past several years at Sovereign Nations, I've provided a forecast for what will be on the horizon for all of us here in the United States and beyond as we continue down the dialectical river towards 2030. Now, I did this last year, and I'm going to go through this again in detail this year. And I will freely admit that one of the inspirations for doing this particular show on my previous predictions, and now on my predictions for 2024, is that so many of you, the listeners, came to me personally at our booth at the TPUSA event in Phoenix this past December, and also at our hotel, and when we were over at the Renaissance there across from our hotel, to tell me how much you've appreciated the work that we have done at Sovereign Nations. Well, I appreciate all of you. And as one man was explaining to his wife when we were meeting at the Renaissance, he said, quote, honey, this is the guy that I was telling you about that called everything about six years before anybody else. So yes, I do have receipts. A lot of them. Now, I don't have a crystal ball. I just know what's going to happen in detail. And with a lot of what is going to happen, you can't give exact dates outside of a few. I can tell you that there will be an attempt to make the world drastically different by 2025. And maybe as I'm saying these things now, here at the beginning of 2024, you didn't believe me when I used to say that in 2017, 2018, 2019. Maybe you started to believe in 2020. But when we reach 2030, there is going to be the attempt to create a year zero scenario. A total reset not only of our economic structure, but the beginning of a reset of mankind. But I've been trying to prepare you for the changes that would be coming our way for about seven years now. Now, me saying these things and talking about these things has cost me greatly. But it has also changed the course of history. And I greatly believe that if I had not started to speak out and begin explaining what was really going on, our world would be much different than it is today. So that kind of weighs heavily on my shoulders. And I had to endure back, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 even, being called a conspiracy theorist. And of course, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but I do believe there's an awful lot of conspiracies going on right now. And if you haven't figured that out yourself, well, you've just got your head in the sand. When I was called a liar for explaining that the evangelical and Catholic church had infused the faith with critical theory and postmodernism. And then, of course, this is going back, uh, I was accused of attacking Christians when I started to name the names and institutions that were bringing in wokeism, that were bringing in this neo-Marxism back in 2017 and 2018. And I explained what was going on with the World Economic Forum with the United Nations, and with Open Society Foundations. Well, for example, let's go ahead and start pulling out a few receipts here. In 2017, I warned that critical race theory would be the great ideological challenge of our nation, and that this radical concept would infuse itself into every facet of our society. I also warned of the attempt to fracture our nation 
which is balkanization, by the way, into micro-identity groups for the purposes of dividing our nation. I said that in 2017. I warned that the primary threat to mankind was the end of cognitive liberty. That was one of the first things that I began to speak about, because that is one of the end goals here. I warned that we must create the reaction before the prime manipulators create their planned reaction to their manufactured problem in order to realize their long-planned solution. In 2017, I warned of the use of reflexivity to create strategic pre-made crisis moments that demand change. Reflexivity that is put into motion with fertile fallacies. I explained in 2017 that NEOM and smart cities would be the technocratic solution to human control and pseudo-environmental panic. I also explain that it is Herbert Marcuse's strategic plan of repressive tolerance that was behind what was being seen as cancel culture. You see, that's the thing. When people look at open societies, when they look at George Soros, and they say, well, he's using Popper's ideas. How could he go wrong on this? I mean, Popper didn't write exactly. Well, what you do is you dialectically infuse Popper with Herbert Marcuse and repressive tolerance. That's how you end up with George Soros and his twisted Open Societies Foundation. Well, then as we moved into 2018, I explained who the primary puppet masters were in the attempt to manipulate mankind. And that would be, of course, Open Societies Foundations, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, the Chinese Communist Party, and as well the Deep State and the subtle but controlled influence of the Fabian Society that goes way, way back. I explained that postmodernism and critical theory were being used within the evangelical church for the purposes of changing the very nature of Christianity. I explained that all of this was to create a utopian society that would be unified by the ecumenical glue of social justice. I warned that our primary adversary was comprised of a government-corporate faith model known as integralism that was very similar to national socialism and the fascism of Mussolini's Italy, but yet combined even more so with a third leg of the stool, which would be faith or religion, or kind of a more of an ecumenical integralism than what the Roman Catholic Church had served its, as its purpose in Italy. Now, again, this was all back in 2018. I explained that there was an attempt to reset our world and transition mankind. And so few listened. In 2019, I explained that we were in the midst of a Western version of a cultural revolution. This is something that I spoke to Steve Bannon about quite a bit back in 2019, and that this cultural revolution was going to be somewhat like China's cultural revolution, but much more far-reaching, if you will. I laid out in detail that a top-down, bottom-up, inside-out revolution was taking place around us, and that very few could understand the operational preparation of the environment that was being put into place to create a reset of our world. I explained that wokeism was, in fact, very Augustinian, but with the alchemical properties of Gnosticism and Hermeticism. Now, I explained that this reset of our world would be coming through basically the private-public partnership of the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. And in 2019, everybody was criticizing me, saying, oh, Mike, that was just a bunch of billionaires trying to get together and share their ideas. You're making too big of a deal out of this. Like, no, no. (laughs) Guys, this is the thing that I saw 
personally about 13, 14 years ago. And had been around a bunch of people that were involved in the planning of what was happening. It was all in and how you could really get that long march through the institutions that Rudy Deutschke would be speaking about, about how you could really make sure you're pulling in the corporate side of this, because the intent is not pure communism. The intent is enviro-communo-fascism. We'll talk about that later. I'm sorry, I got off. But I warned that everything in our current reality, this is back in 2019, was in fact fake, a phony representation of the real. And if we didn't defeat this reflexive wheel of fertile fallacies, that we would lose our civilization. I warned repeatedly that we were going to be transitioned from a physical analog world and into a fake digital world. And I've been saying that over and over again, really for the past four or five years. And then in 2020, at the beginning of the reflexive pandemic in early 2020, I explained that the cases of the virus that was now circulating in China that we were all hearing about, and remember seeing all the videos, all of the propaganda of people lying dead in the street and so forth, and you know, all the drama in theater, that was all propaganda. But this virus that was circulating in China would soon explode in numbers in the United States, and not because the virus would be new to the U.S., but only because we would now be testing for the virus. And that the virus had been very present in the United States as far back as 2019. I explained that the lockdowns were an attempt to change our meta systems in the United States. A great reset of our economic systems, our mobility, and our social contract. Again, this was in the late spring of 2020. I explained that the Chinese Communist Party's interest in our public health systems had created an alchemical system that was postmodern in construct and opposed to being based on the scientific method. I explained that the attempt to defund the police in 2020 was for the purposes of moving us into a chaotic situation where new police methods, using algorithmic controls and predictive policing, would eventually be put into place after all the chaos. I explained that the attempt to infuse the nation with critical race theory and intersectionality was to create a new framework for income redistribution across the nation. Again, this was all in 2020. I explained that health equity would take over our healthcare system and install a Marxian system of DEI in place of triage. We were talking about the things that everybody is talking about now four years ago in 2020 when nobody knew what the heck we were talking about. I remember being at a conference in late 2020, somewhere around October or so. And I was invited to speak. Um, you know, everybody was doing their social distancing and everything else. And I got up and I explained that this is a great reset. And there was a guy that was there that was an, an attorney. And he just, ah, it's all hogwash, whatever he's saying. <laughs> you know. And I'm saying, no, this is, what is this DEI thing you're talking about? No one's ever heard of that. And I said, I know, because you don't read anything. I mean, people were literally idiots back then that would not listen to the to what was happening with new systems that were being infused into what was a very good working system that we had in the United States. And in 2020, I warned that 
the favoring of China in the coming new age was because of the selling of the false concept of Thucydides' trap. I explained that President Trump would not be allowed to win the election in 2020, no matter how many legal, viable, actual votes he would actually receive. Because 2020 was the Great Reset. Nobody else was speaking about these things then. And then in 2021, I explained that we were in the midst of a religious experience of transforming every aspect of our society. James Lindsay and I attempted to explain the utilization of the Mott and Bailey by those that were attempting to disrupt and dismantle civilization. We warned of the coming emphasis of climate justice and the implementation of environmental justice. This was going to be the big thing because everything would revolve around climate. I had warned that the entire process around the vaccination schemes was built upon a religious sacramental process. I warned that our monetary instruments would be changed into digital currencies that could be manipulated and controlled. I explained that the actions of the Biden administration were not for the purposes of national success, but instead for the purposes of disrupting and dismantling our nation. I got a lot of heat for saying those things back in early 2021. People would respond to me and say, oh, Mike, are you saying that Joe Biden would actually be doing this on purpose? Oh, no, he's just incompetent. I say, oh, no, no. Oh, they know exactly what they're doing. Back in 2021, I had warned that BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and other ETFs were attempting to forcibly control and transform our economic models, in complete coordination, of course, with the World Economic Forum and with China. In 2022, I warned the auto industry was being dismantled for the purposes of ending freedom of movement and the ability to move about freely by any individual. I reiterated that the travel industry was being purposely disrupted. I warned that our food industry was being dismantled to end our economy of abundance and forcibly shove mankind into an economy of scarcity. Once again in 2022, I reminded everyone that the entire purpose of the infusion of critical race theory and intersectionality was for the purposes of using identity politics to create division in our nation. Divide and conquer. And then, on December 30th, 2022, I made the following forecast for what you could watch out for in 2023. Number one, and you can check this, by the way, and just go back and listen to the program. Number one, the worldwide push for central bank digital currencies will incrementally evolve towards both national and global acceptance. Now, are you listening yet? This took a huge step into becoming reality on, the date should mean something to you, by the way, the Ides of March of this past year. And again, I reminded you to beware the Ides of March. The big brothering of world governments and corporations would be happening, and there would be another attempt at creating a reflexive health crisis, and boy did they try, in particular around July and August of this past year. They really started to try and ramp up the fear. Thankfully, most people, both on the Republican and Democratic sides, told them to go pound sand. Now, the amount of fury from those that have been vaccinated would be exponentially increasing, 
as reports of health issues and death increase, along with the knowledge that the vaccines did next to nothing to prevent them from acquiring COVID. They were fed lies. I told you this was going to happen, and it is only getting worse. Now, I also stated that the vaccination revelations would have a serious effect on the campaign of President Donald Trump. And now, the rumblings of this have already started, but it really hasn't reached a fever pitch just yet. And I believe it will, no doubt. It will be a major point of contention in 2024, especially when you have RFK Jr. running as an independent. And like I said last year when I made this prediction, I tried to warn Trump through his staff in 2020 and 2021, and unfortunately, he didn't listen. I also said that there would be chaos and fracturing in the Republican Party from the establishment against Donald Trump and those that are trying to break the uniparty establishment. And I think we have seen that absolutely happen. Look what happened in the House with Kevin McCarthy and with what happened with Matt Gates and all of that mess, which we've actually ended up with Mike Johnson, who's really not much of a better option than Kevin McCarthy. I started talking about the 15-minute cities along with C-40 cities that would be pushed across the Western Hemisphere, and boy, did this one hit home. Now, I'm just, I'll ask, does anybody still doubt me on that one? Because you did doubt me then. I also stated that we were going to see the beginning of the end of the personal automobile industry as gas-powered cars were not going to be made so they could meet their ESG guidelines, and the electric vehicles were too expensive for the average person. I also stated that the disrupting and dismantling of the golden age of travel would start. The beginning of talking people out of taking a vacation and the development of hyper-real or virtual travel. And when I said this last year, I was called a conspiracy theorist. I remember someone saying, Mike, no one is going to tell people to stop traveling after COVID. (laughs) Man, were they wrong. From articles in The Atlantic to The New Yorker to Afar, everyone is saying that we need to reconsider travel and guilting people into feeling ashamed for traveling so much in the past. I also stated that China's dominance across the world will grow with the coordination of the One Belt, One Road initiative. And this has happened as the global south is transitioning into the place to grow your wealth, albeit under authoritarian guidance. I also talked about the increased call for balkanization of Western nations, not just the U.S., but other nations as well. And we can see the call for balkanization from Andrew Torba, the Wayward Organization, New Founding, etc., all calling for balkanization, for a new founding of the United States. I also stated that you would see conservative reformed evangelical parachurch ministries and organizations would blame liberalism for the current state of our nation and not for their decade-long attempt to deconstruct Christianity for the Marxian substitute of social justice. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. If the evangelical church had spent as much time saving souls, evangelizing, and bringing the grace of God and the gospel into people's lives as opposed to focusing in on social justice— and asking people to ask Karl Marx into their heart. If we would have done that instead, how would things be different today? And I'm not saying this from an Arminian perspective. If the church had spent its time 
bringing the grace of God and the gospel to people as opposed to this circus, this Marxist circus, how would things be different today? Well, this has been also the rise of the post-liberal movement that is blaming Lockean liberal ideas of tolerance and individual sovereignty and autonomous evil on liberalism. Their answer has been authoritarianism, namely through a Franco. And you'll see that name mentioned over and over again is Francisco Franco. I also spoke about the rise of Christian nationalism in all of its forms, which is really neo-integralism, which coincides with the rise of steroidal trad Catholic political theology that pines for an unbound executive, a Franco and a monarchical episcopate. And at the same time that this would be happening on the patches on the sleeve and beard-growing reformed crowd, it would be also through the dumbed-down version of the seditious movement that would be proliferated through the MAGA movement with General Mike Flynn and of all people, Roger Stone, bringing in that Christian nationalism. Not really defining it at all, just kind of getting that Mott version out there, you know. Yeah, what we need is God. We need a nation with one God. And Mike Flynn, of course, never taking the time to explain who that one God is. I had talked about the coming loss of cognitive liberty through invasive cerebral instruments. One was in development, of course, um, Elon Musk's Neuralink, that had been cleared for human trials. But that is going to be just the tip of the iceberg. I explained that there would be wars and rumors of wars that would continue in Ukraine and beyond, and that has continued. And the beyond part has now become Israel and Gaza, with millions more being poured into that conflict. I also talked about the transition of Western economies from abundance to scarcity again, and this has happened as the move towards a circular economy continues. I'll be speaking more on this later. I warned about the rise of health equity, and now what was in the shadows with health equity back in 2020 is now making a very public debut in California with the extension of health care for all, even undocumented immigrants. I also spoke about how artificial intelligence would make a very invasive leap into our lives in 2023. Now, those of you that thought that I was exaggerating on all of those points, these weren't hard things to forecast. It wouldn't be hard if you read their documentation if you sat through their meetings, and most of what I know and I know is coming are from things that I heard about back in 2011 and 2012. Well, the ride's not over yet. As a matter of fact, really, if you want to kind of compare this to a roller coaster, we're actually on the hill being pulled up. We haven't even started the crazy stuff yet. So what's in the forecast for 2024? Again, I will caution that the global puppet masters will play a version, a large version of the Mott and Bailey in their actions. In other words, when they feel no resistance, they will press hard, like they have lately in the attempts to begin the transition into a circular economy for the West. But they will pump the brakes if they feel like the public opinion is too strong for a rollout or for continuing through to press hard. And the best way to make them pump the brakes is to literally throw sand in the gears with letting everyone know what they're going to do before they do it. 
So that's what we try to do. This also flushes out the Fed actors among the conservatives. So when we say, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're going to start talking about, you're going to start to ah, push for balkanization, and everybody goes, oh, you're a liar. No, this is what you're going to do. Well, that helps to be able to make sure that people start to see, hey, there is something going on here. There is some sort of coordinated effort to push conservatives in a certain direction that they probably don't want to go. Well, here goes with my forecasts for 2024. Number one, there will be a compromise in our digital infrastructure in regards to privacy, purchasing, and critical information, and it is a looming threat. And I say this because of the fact that it was already forecasted to be phase two after a public health crisis nearly 14 years ago when I first heard about this. Now, not only this, but there is a ton of predicted programming being pushed around all over social media, through Netflix, and through the World Economic Forum. You know, the cyber attack, as Klaus Schwab would say. Number two. Law enforcement will continue to be challenged. Laws will continue to not be enforced in major cities. And at the border, they will not be enforced, which will lead to a call for policing 3.0. Now, I know that I addressed this in length in 2020 in my podcast, The Causes of Things. And I think today, many more of you are beginning to see the previously unthinkable come into view. You have stores being looted on a daily basis in large cities. You have crimes not being responded to. And that is because there is no law enforcement. And if you have no law enforcement, then you have no actual law. Which is why in places like Atlanta, you have safety officers who are not there to enforce law, but are present to keep you safe. This will lead to tracking, tracing, and creating automatic payment methods, much like you see in some Amazon marketplaces already, where you simply leave the store and you're going to get charged. This will also lead to non-human forms of law enforcement, which will lead to a perceived need to change laws, and even the legal structure, because purchasing and credit deduction will happen automatically. In other words, they will have created the problem. Rampant crime and lawlessness and theft everywhere. So they create that problem. But then the reaction now has started. People calling for an end to this crime and for a fix to the situation. And now they will have the solution. A complete change in the way policing is done. And a complete change in how punishment is doled out. Number three. Operation Rehabilitate the Woke Theologians and Church Leaders will kick into high gear. One of the problems that we have had over the past eight years or so since I started to reveal how major church leaders like Legan Duncan, Tim Keller, Russell Moore, Ed Stetzer, Albert Muller, John Piper, D.A. Carson, and ministries and organizations such as the Gospel Coalition, Campus Crusade for Christ, Crew, Moody Bible Institute, Dallas Theological Seminary, Reformed Theological Seminary, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Presbyterian Church in America, Calvary Chapel, the Assemblies of God, the Vineyard Church Movement, and I could go on and on and on, were all in on infusing Christianity with a critical consciousness, 
billions of dollars were spent to make this happen. You know, that means putting in critical race theory and intersectionality being strategically taught at all levels of education in Christianity. And this is from the evangelical church that hasn't taken more than five minutes to teach justification and sanctification. (laughs) But they had about nine years of nothing but discussing social justice, racism, white privilege, all sorts of that kind of nonsense from nearly every major leader in evangelical and reformed Christianity. And here is the plain fact of what should be happening. And I look, I know I just said this before, and I know I've said this in past podcasts, but you got to hear this. If you have been involved in attempting to introduce critical consciousness into the evangelical church in the past 10 years, it is necessary for you to be dismissed from ministry. You need to undergo disciplinary measures and provide an explanation as to why you supported the plan of introducing neo-Marxism into the body of Christ. Because if these Judases are allowed to have a new rehabilitation path forward, no church will be able to effectively enforce church discipline anymore. And whether that could be from someone that's holding a different eschatological or soteriological perspective, or if Mr. Jones's daughter wears a slightly shorter skirt to church than she should, how does any of that, which should be addressed, how does any of that compare to the deliberate and strategic introduction of Marxism? into the church by Moeller, Aiken, Moore, Stetzer, Platt, Duncan, Dever, Jarvis, Williams, and tons of others in the last 20 years. There is no comparison. It would be more acceptable for Albert Moeller to be preaching up on his pulpit while drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels in a bag from the pulpit than to hire professors who take inspiration from Kimberly Crenshaw and Paulo Ferreri. Now, if you refused to call out the infusion of Marxism into Christianity and sat by and did nothing while you're waiting to see how this all plays out, because, you know, i got to protect my career. Well, that's a grave offense as well. See, if you lack the voice to drive out the wolves, you shouldn't be shepherding the sheep. You shouldn't be in ministry. Now, repenting for this grave offense against the faith which stands as one of the most deceitful crimes in Christianity's history, seems to be disregarded by individuals seeking reassurance without addressing their wrongdoing. And meanwhile, you have moms and parents nationwide risking everything to remove Marxists from schools who were also promoting the same Marxist ideology that is being pushed in churches and seminaries. In fact, Don't you think we should be holding our pastors and church leaders to a higher standard than that of a ninth grade social studies teacher? Yeah, they need to resign or they need to be fired immediately. But that isn't what is happening. These men and women are being rehabilitated. No repentance. No explaining who told them to start down this road of Marxism. No explaining the financial remuneration or platforming that they were promised if they infused critical race theory and intersectionality into the church. No explaining of the positions of power that might be coming to them in the future or other opportunities. No, none of that. So as nothing happened to these deceptive agents of woke, they are now being rehabilitated and ushered back into pulpits across the United States and the UK. Almost like Roman Catholic priests that 
had done terrible things to young boys back 30 years ago who were just shuffled around the nation. Same sort of thing. And so now, in a bizarre turn of events, you're going to see guys like Legan Duncan, Al Moeller, Mark Dever, John Piper, Kevin DeYoung, and others who participated in infusing Marxism into the church trotted out in front of congregations across the United States as if, (laughs) Mike, what was that, like four years ago? I mean, come on, man. You got to let it go, man. No. This was the most demonic collective conspiracy in the history of the church. And we're supposed to just forget about it? And these men are being allowed to assume their roles as the great shepherds of the church once again. After they just threw the church, literally, to the collectivists? I mean, this was easy for many of them, like League and Duncan, because what the woke actually are, are leftist religious Puritans. So that wasn't a hard leap for those who know Puritanism. And one of the reasons that they are now being rehabilitated is because they now have their boogeyman that some of them helped to create waiting for their criticism. You see, now we have the racist, misogynistic, hateful, ugly, fascistic group that didn't exist six years ago that they were all warning about, Christian nationalism. And so now, they have their adversary. And they can say, See, we were right all along. We were so prescient. And isn't it so coincidental that the men who led the charge of neo-integralism which is Christian nationalism in the Southern Baptist Convention, were baptized and discipled in the hub of woke critical consciousness in the SBC. Yeah, the guys who are leading Christian nationalism within the SBC, who are pretending to be so anti-woke and everything else, were baptized and discipled in the hub of woke critical consciousness in the Southern Baptist Convention and that would be Capitol Hill Baptist Church, the church where Mark Dever, Russell Moore, and graduate of the Fabian Foundation London School of Economics, Jonathan Lehman, were literally training pastors from all over the United States to infuse critical race theory and intersectionality into their theological frameworks. Weird how at least two of the leaders of the Christian nationalism push came from that church. And I don't mean like 20 years ago, I'm just talking about Three years ago. Four years ago. And now, all of a sudden, the progressive woke guys of the Gospel Coalition and others have their pre-made enemy to engage in dialectical warfare against one another. Almost like Christian nationalism is controlled opposition. Interesting how that has worked out. The funny thing is, both sides the woke, and the Christian nationalists want the same thing. An authoritative government, an office that oversees religion, and the end of liberty for people in the United States. So, for this to work out, the woke pastors must be rehabilitated. Which leads us to number four the Christian nationalists will begin to take off their masks. So if you remember, the Christian nationalists all started off their campaigns a couple of years ago saying, 
oh, we just want to bring God back into the nation. And I explained that this was a neo-integralist move and that they were going to try and balkanize the nation and promote the big sort. And then they said, oh, we just think it would be good to have someone in charge of religious doctrine to prevent heresy. And I explained again that this was an integralist move and that they were going to try to balkanize the nation, promote the big sort, and put in a monarchical episcopate. And then they said, oh, we were just talking about Carl Schmidt with our students, but we aren't really saying anything positive about him. Remember, this was in 2022. And I explained that this was an integralist move, and they were going to try to balkanize the nation and promote the big sort, and they were going to try to promote and install an unbound executive. Yeah, those are the ideas of Carl Schmidt, the unbound executive. And then they said, oh, we just think we should start talking about some alternatives to pure free market capitalism, and we need to talk about stakeholders. And I explained that this was again an integralist move, and they were going to try to balkanize the nation and promote the big sort, and they were going to try to install an unbound executive, and that these deceivers are going to try to introduce distributism. You know, the Chester Bullock idea. Distributism. You know, the Roman Catholic political theology for economics, as an alternative. Which is exactly the system that the left wokists at the World Economic Forum want to do. And then they said, oh, we just need a Protestant Franco. And I explained that this was an integralist move and that we were going to try to balkanize the nation and they were going to promote the big sort, that they were going to try and install an unbound executive, that these deceivers are going to try to introduce distributism as an alternative, and that these deceptive people have no intention in winning. But they do want to split the nation. And they want to fracture the nation. As the Fabian window says, shatter it to bits. And now a whole bunch of guys that are on board for this unconstitutional power grab are all saying the same thing. Their masks are coming off. And you can't say that I haven't warned you about this for many, many years. Now, I'm no prophet. I just knew what the plan was to split the nation. And it is. Dialectical warfare. Number five. There'll be an all-out attempt to change our economic structure, and this will happen from all fronts. The move will be on several levels. It will be a move from an economy of abundance and of plenty to an economy of scarcity and less of everything. The move will be to move us to distributism or stakeholder capitalism, which is not free market capitalism, but a method of totalitarian distributism, which eliminates free market capitalism. This should be right in front of your concerns right now with the attempt to legitimize natural asset companies, which will lead to what has been long referred to as a new nature economy. And this will lead to a fundamental change in our individual autonomy and ability to have individual sovereignty. We will all be on the collectivist dole. As this will cause a natural reaction, of course, from people who are going to say, this is not what I want, it will lead to the refactoring of subsidiarity which is one of the reasons why this move will be done this way. Anticipate the reaction of those that will oppose this and provide a solution that will eventually, over time, lead to their own capitulation. 
Now, all of this was birthed long ago through the concepts that were brought forward through the Club of Rome and Limits to Growth. And the concepts of Limits to Growth have led to our current environmental movement and have been further developed through the United Nations, the Rio Summit in 1992, the Kyoto Protocols, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, which have been adopted by the United Nations and, of course, the World Economic Forum, through the Paris Accords and through Beyond Growth, which had their summit in the EU in 2022, which called for, and this is important, the Beyond Growth Summit at the, at the EU, the European Union in 2022, called for a change from meritocracy to an environmentally-based economic system. Now, the whole reason for this is degrowth. For the West and for our free market capitalist system to commit suicide while the global south and the east explodes in growth with the BRICS system, which leads us to number six. The growth of China's Belt and Road Initiative Network of Nations and the replacement of the U.S. dollar with the BRICS system as the United States and the West commit economic and civilizational suicide, China and the Belt and Road Initiative Nations will rise with the BRICS currency that will be primarily pegged to the yuan and other assets. The U.S. dollar will plunge as the Biden administration and brain-dead Congress pass spending bill after spending bill that will completely devalue the U.S. dollar as we continue to pursue a never-to-be-realized utopia. And so China will dominate the United States with manufacturing, distribution, military strength, and with full data capture with their asset-backed digital currency. So BRICS will become the new standard, with the advantages given to the U.S. under the Bretton Woods agreements begin to morph and phase into the antithesis of what was free market capitalism. A serious recession is on the way. And all of this was not done out of incompetence. No. This was very strategic and well-planned. Diminish the United States of America, economically, militarily, governmentally, and watch as the United States balkanizes and tears itself to pieces. Which leads us to the next forecast. The balkanization of the United States of America through the big sort. Post-liberals come in two forms. The postmodern neo-Marxist form of the leftist woke progressives like Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the current Democratic Party. And also they come in the integralist neo-fascist trad fantasy LARPing types that can be found screaming Deus Volt and other such nonsensical phrases from the 13th century. Now, I've already done a full podcast on this issue, and you should listen to it, by the way, but I will touch on it here. This isn't just about Christian nationalism, although Christian nationalism is basically the importation and morphing of Catholic political philosophy known as integralism into a shape acceptable to Protestantism. And the trad Catholics are basically going on and on about the same things that their Reformed brethren are with rabid Christian nationalism. Because this is all about radicalization of people that were not radical and polarization of people that used to be united to one common goal. Nudging affinity groups further and further into extremes to create polarization and conflict, which is why if you look at the LGBTQ plus community, the same damn thing is happening there. 
the LGBTQ plus community has the highest rate of new gun permits and licensing of any other demographic or affinity group. And you know what the LGBTQ plus's biggest concern is? Why they are gunning up right now? Christian nationalism. And what about black nationalists? They're getting armed to the teeth as well. And what about the La Raza community? They're arming up and radicalizing. What about the Muslim nationalists? The same thing is happening there. And here's the thing. I know it seems like you have all the momentum and all of the will and power when you are thumping your chest in your echo chambers on social media. But the thing is, the other side, of which there are way more of, are doing the same thing. But you can't see that because you are in your own social media silos. And what you are walking into is the world that Hobbes wrote about in Leviathan. In Leviathan, Hobbes was speaking of the chaos that was Great Britain during the English Civil War. Hobbes states this, quote, In such condition there is no place for industry, because the fruit thereof is uncertain. And consequently, no culture of the earth, no navigation, nor the use of commodities that may be imported by sea, no commodious building, no instruments of moving and removing, such things as require much force, no knowledge of the face of the earth, no account of time, no arts, no letters, no society, and which is worst of all, continual fear and danger of violent death. And the life of man solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. This is what awaits for us around the corner of 2024. If we don't first stop it from happening. Which brings us to our next forecast. All of the current Franco talk from the members of American Reformer, New Founding from Jack Posobiec, from the confidence man Charles Haywood and Aaron McIntyre will eventually lead into the call for an unbound executive, which is one of the hallmarks of what Nazi jurist of the Third Reich, Carl Schmitt, believed to be necessary for a successful autocracy, whether in a model of national socialism, fascism, or integralism. That is where this will lead. And they will tell Donald Trump how pretty he is every single day in order to convince him that he must lead like a red Caesar, like a red Napoleon. Donald Trump will either be defeated by prosecution and full-on voter fraud or through legal remedy. Or Donald Trump will win and then will be encouraged to completely divide the nation red states from blue states. And the question for the progressive left is, which of the two possibilities makes their goals easier to achieve their end goals of creating non-stop dialectical warfare? You know, they gin up a huge debate about something that's not real or barely real and use the hugeness of the debate as proof that it's real and that they have the only good solutions to the imaginary problem, problem, reaction, solution. And you might want to start asking yourself, 
what players on the supposedly conservative side are really the right hand of the left. And so the likes of men like General Mike Flynn and Roger Stone and others are going to be whispering in Donald Trump's ear and tell him that he needs to be more like a conquering hero and that, yeah, you need to forget about that old constitution because to restore the constitution, you're going to have to break a few eggs to make the America great again omelet. And I pray, I pray that he doesn't listen to these men. Because this could go south very, very quickly if the talk begins to be about sedition or about trampling on the Constitution. Because what will occur is, and this is the next forecast, the Democrats will begin to use a narrative and language to prop themselves up to be the ones that value the Constitution and the Republic. While the Republicans, who are under the influence of the Schmidians and Straussians, begin to talk about taking power and ending things like the First Amendment and the 19th Amendment. Right, and they will also start talking about amending property rights. And in the midst of the rest of the chaos of 2024, and so either before the election or after the election, the Department of Justice is going to be given a bunch of reasons to crack down on a bunch of men and women who, before 2021, were the most patriotic of anyone in America, who are now going to be fooled into rooting for the end of the Constitutional Republic. No kidding. But remember, I have been saying this publicly since 2017. Heck, I told James Lindsay that something like this was going to happen when we talked in 2019. Because as much as social justice and everything, including Christianity, was an op, Christian nationalism is 10,000% an op. Which brings us to our next forecast. Our situation in America will be very similar to Weimar Germany in the 1920s. You could also call us Weimarica. And the seeds of potential genocide will be nurtured in this environment. And you'll begin to see that the way that you transform men from reformed Bible-preaching men into murderers is by pulling them further and further into radicalization and dehumanization one tiny step at a time. Which brings us to our next forecast. Formerly conservative news and media sites will begin to realize that they have hired a bunch of authoritarians who are going to fracture the nation and put the rest of their media group in the crosshairs of the Department of Justice. Hopefully, some good men will wake up to this sooner rather than later. The next forecast. America and the West will experience a recession. And while the Far East and the Global South will begin to find ways to separate themselves from our woes and to flourish independently, well, this will lead to the next forecast. The jobs market in the United States, even white-collar jobs, will begin to be impacted by the next generation of artificial intelligence. And soon, human beings will realize that they are now obsolete. And therefore, the next forecast, the creative class, who will be completely dependent on the tech giants and social media, will begin to rise. And with this the complete rejection of reality will kick into fourth gear. 
and a nation that is already transfixed by digital devices will have their reality in the hyper-real realm, while the real world will be left to the experts. And this digital meta-world will be a great way to cope with the chaos of the real world, which leads to our next forecast. As military tough talk and even action are possible with China, pharmaceuticals will become a real challenge for the West. And with a nation that is already beginning to struggle with now providing healthcare to tens of millions of newly arrived illegal immigrants, the stress might just begin to break our system, which will lead to health equity. My next forecast is that travel will be further compromised by the limiting of visitors to many cities across the world as well as the carbon limitations applied by not only governments, but by travel companies as well. Conference and expo traffic will be challenged. Airlines will begin cutting back on regional flights. Auto rental agencies will begin to limit their fleets. And across the travel industry, the industry will operationally and purposely shrink themselves. And the backlash from the travelers is going to be strong. I will be at the lead of that backlash. And I will talk more about that in a future podcast, but something else to consider as well. The elimination of meritocracy and taking out skilled positions and replacing them with concepts of how to hire people through diversity, equity, inclusion is going to have ramifications in travel. And that ramifications is going to be some pretty big accidents. And you'll know why. My next forecast is that cash will be refused at more and more businesses across the United States and Europe. Digital currency will be preferred, but central bank digital currency combined with the environmental components of ESG will be the primary currency. But CBDCs are not really currency. CBDCs are more like coupons. And people will begin to figure this out. My next forecast Wars and rumors of wars will step up to another level in 2024, and in each instance, the U.S. force will provide an opportunity to show their lack of ability to really wage war. And in every instance, it will be another opportunity for Congress to shell billions and billions of dollars more while our dollar is decimated, which leads to my next forecast. Artificial intelligence will take a big leap in the fourth quarter of 2024. That's because 2025 is just around the corner. And 2025 is, for the insane globalist cult, which we'll talk about more in the future, well, for this cult, it is the dawn of the next Christ figure. A God made in our own image. An omniscient, omnipresent knower of all things. Smarter than the smartest of human beings. Ready to take over any tasks or any tough decisions of citizens or of governments. But I guess you probably haven't been reading much from Lucius Trust or Alice Bailey, but you should. Because that's one of the driving ideological and theological forces behind what's happening. Which leads to the next forecast, the push for global citizenship. It'll be big in the West, not as much in the East. 
But the idea that Westphalian sovereignty was really not helpful and just a bad idea, with all that individual sovereignty and all of that independence of nations and all, yeah, more reason to reject the entire idea of the United States. And you need to think of yourself as a global citizen. Now, a word to my listeners. You can prevent a lot of these issues or forecasts from really taking root. And the way is to start warning about each and every one of these issues ahead of time. We have to literally work as if we are those that can spot each of these incoming V2 rockets before they hit the ground. And blow them out of the sky before they hit the ground. And we have to do what I have been talking about now publicly for eight years. We must defend and protect the Constitution of the United States and the Republic for which it stands. There is no other choice. Not a Franco. Not a Mao. Not an unbound executive from either side. We must pledge allegiance to the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. Thank you.